my power that is here today. I will meet with my children and I will prepare the way in front of you. I have designed a path out of the circumstances the enemy would try to strangle you with. But know that I, the Lord, am before you. I am behind you. I am over you. I surround you with my power and you will not be defeated. You will not suffer discouragement at my hand. You shall be mightily set free. So look to the heavens for I am your help and I am here. Hallelujah. Mm. It is faith in the promise I have already given. It is a work that has already been accomplished. Trust in me today. Do not look to your own thoughts and understandings. Why do you look at circumstances when I have made a promise? Your promise has already come. Look to me now. Rest upon me. No matter what you see, know that I, the Lord, am here in a mighty way. To put wind beneath your wing. And I will rise to be the victor over your circumstance. Trust in me, says God. Hallelujah. For the Lord is definitely here doing a mighty work. Would you just lift up your hands and honor the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. We know that the gifts and operation in the church have been given to us. We thank you, Lord. We understand that this is from you. So, Lord, we'll take it. We'll apply it to our need and to our life. And as we do, we give you honor and praise. We thank you today for the words that have come to us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let it be a seal upon the hearts of those it was sent to minister to. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, entitled this message, Why the Blood? As we have been studying and looking at the, the vision and the mission of our church, say it with me, we exist to embrace God. Connect with one another, pursue growth, and serve the world. We exist to embrace God, connect with one another, pursue growth, and serve the world. And as we've been aligning ourselves with, honestly, the Great Commission, if you want to know where that comes from, who sat in an office somewhere and come up with that, that idea and those four statements, let me tell you where it came from. The Lord led this pastor to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. And there, in those words, where Jesus said, go, go, baptizing, teaching all the things that I've taught you, and go and make disciples. And as we look to the Great Commission, God has been leading us in, in our mission, our assignment 
connected to his words. And we see that as embracing God. So important to fall madly in love with God, to know him, to embrace God, and then to connect with one another. What did Jesus say the two greatest commandments were? Number one, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Embrace God, connect with one another. Then pursue growth, go and make disciples. And serve the world. Who will be greatest among you, let him be servant of all. And as those four statements guide and direct us, it's amazing how God has been leading because I feel that now, I told Pastor Brian earlier before service, I said it's like as we're pursuing our future, as we're looking at our destiny and looking to our path that's leading us forward, the Lord is reminding us that it's like we're shifting back around to the fundamentals. And he's leading me into a theological study of, of wondering why we believe what we believe, coming back to the basics of who we are, the fundamentals. When we desire to move forward with God, he sometimes has us look back because sometimes we lose things, don't we? Wasn't it the church that lost their first love? And Jesus wants us to have that desire in us to move forward as we hold on to the things that he's given to us. And today, the question is, why the blood? Had someone asked me a question a couple of weeks ago, and when they asked me, I, I wanted to immediately go into my Christian preacher voice and give them a solid answer as I know theologically. Why the blood? Why the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God? I had a theological discourse ready to go. And yet I felt in my heart that I needed to wait. I needed to pray. And as I did that and I was putting together my answer for a friend, the Lord led me to a study and then told me I was going to preach it. That this is a question not only for one, but for many. Why the blood? Why death? Why did he have to die so tragically, so, so horrifically? We're going to answer that question in a few minutes that we have today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 Knowing, Peter said, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Then the Lord led me to Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, and these will be our texts for this morning. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And you say amen to the reading of God's word. We have prayed, so we say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So I've been on a journey to answer this question. Why death? Why the blood? I went to bed that first night after the question had come to me and I was thinking about the death, I was thinking about the cross, I was thinking about the crucifixion, I was thinking about the punishment that Christ went through and, and the statements that this friend had made to me and I, I was considering and 
talking about it and thinking about the blood, the blood, the, the, how the blood fell and spilled at Calvary's cross. I was thinking about the, the hands and the feet that were nailed and the, the crown of thorns that was placed upon his brow. I was thinking about this, the sword that pierced his side. And I was thinking about the blood and the water that flowed forth from there, the sack of heart, of the heart of God, of, of the Son of God. And I thought about all that punishment and all that blood and all of that sacrifice and thought about the Old Testament and the sacrifices at the temple and, and, I, and I went to bed thinking about that. And when I woke up, first thing comes to my mind, I believe the Spirit was speaking to me and He spoke and He said, it's not about death. And I was like, What? said, it's not about death. It's about life. He said, life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. You see, without blood, there is no life. There's nothing. It's dead. So when we look at Calvary's cross, we have to look at it from heaven's perspective. It's kind of like looking up. You know, we from the earth look up at the tapestry, the design, the creation of God. And when, when we've seen people make the tapestries and you look from the underside, the underside, there's a poem about it. it it's chaotic and it's all messed up and it looks like a, it's a mess. It makes no sense whatsoever when you look at it from the underside, but from God's side, from heaven's side, and from the upper perspective, you look at that same tapestry on the top side of it, and you see the beauty of the creation and the design. That's what I truly believe, that God, that's the way he sees the idea, the design, the purpose of the blood. Ask a hospital. A lot of folks in our church are doctors and nurses and folks that work in the medical field. Ask any hospital, ask Atrium or Children's Medical or down at Liberty or UC Hospital or Christ Hospital. Ask any of them, what is the most priceless commodity? What's the most treasurable thing you have inside that building? And they're not going to say their equipments, their MRI machines and all the surgical equipment or the surgeons themselves that are so skilled to be able to go in for hours upon hours and do these tremendous surgeries. They can operate on your brain. They can operate on your heart. They can operate on every organ in your body. And yet these are not the most valuable, most treasurable commodities that belong in that hospital. If you ask them about the, the properties and the beautiful buildings and the millions of dollars that were spent there, they would never tell you that these are the most valuable commodities. No, what they would tell you that they, they treasure and they protect and they keep ready at all times, morning, noon, and night, is the blood. The blood bank in every hospital. When there's a tragedy, they don't call many times for more doctors and nurses, although sometimes uh, those things can happen, but they always will reach out to the community and they'll call for blood. Blood is something that is valuable and priceless. It's the, the thing that's needed. I remember when Jennifer Atkins, who's away on the retreat this weekend, when she last year at this time was in that horrific accident and we lost Duran, her husband, and as Jennifer laid in the ICU and her daughter Michaela Diamond are here today, I 
I remember as we stood out in the waiting room and for hours after hours as we waited to find out if she would live or die. One of the questions that was asked was once we came through a lot of the surgery and all the things that the wounds that were so horrific on her body and and she had suffered so much she nearly bled to death even on the scene as they got her to the hospital she was barely alive and as they kept kept her alive and kept working on her body physically the one thing they had to have was blood if I remember correctly Michaela it was 24 units of blood that they kept pouring into her body blood pouring 24 someone gave me from the audience they yelled it out this morning and Dr. Small you would help me with this I understand about 12 units of blood in the human body is that correct 24 that's that means she had to have a complete replacement twice but the thing that was important with her wounds as they were being worked on and as they were being sewn together and things were being put back in place and some things were having to be adjusted and changed in her life the one consistent treasure that kept her alive the whole time was that blood the blood is life when heaven went looking for justice, something of value for the soul that God created. There was no redemption for the priceless soul of man to be found in any corruptible things. We understand in this life uh, gold and silver and, and how those things matter and how priceless they are and, and the rays and the, the, the big cars and the big houses and we strive in the rat race to, to compete with the world, uh, the Joneses keeping up with the Smiths. We understand the value that we place in corruptible things. And they understood that back in Peter's day when he said it wasn't corruptible things that redeemed us like silver and gold. They knew that very well because it was there in that day when slavery was so predominant. People were sold on the auction blocks. Men and women were sold like nothing, like we found in America much later. And we're thankful for the Emancipation Proclamation that ended, outlawed slavery. We understand what those things are like. And we understand people being bought and sold in slavery, those kinds of things. And we understand the slavery of sin. We understand the, the slavery, the bondage that comes from sin. So when heaven was looking for justice, couldn't be something corruptible. It had to be blood. Had to be blood. Why the blood? It had to be. But look at this. When, when God looked at the value of his creation, you and me. The Bible tells us in Revelation, before the worlds were framed, before he ever breathed life into clay and made him a living soul, breathing soul, the Bible says the lamb was slain. You see, God knew, God knew before he ever gave us life. You see, he could have created us robotically. He could have created us to just be mindless 
worshipers who obeyed and lived out the world, smiling and following the rules, but not really loving God like he wanted. You see, he wanted fellowship. He wanted intimacy. He wanted relationship with his people. That's what I love about my relationship with God now. He speaks to me. He, what's that old song say? He walks with me and talks with me all along life's way. That awesome relationship with God. You see, when he made us, he made us in his image. In the image of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so you and I have body, soul, and mind. We were built, made, designed, created in the image of God. So we are a trinity in his reflection. And God wanted our love. That's why the church house is the, the means and the place where the gospel is preached. That's why Christians are called to be light and witnesses everywhere they go. That's why when you're endued with power from the Holy Spirit, your first reaction to the Holy Spirit fire in you is to be a witness. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the priceless, treasurable blood of his son, in order to redeem fallen man. Because you see, he gave Adam and Eve, he gave you and I free will. And here's the way I best describe it. I've been doing this since I was a young man in, in youth ministry. I would tell the young people when they would ask me, you know, why? Why so tragic and why why did Jesus die for us why did God make man to where he could fall why didn't he just make us safe because God wanted you and I to be able to genuinely truly love him I mean really love him if you have relationship with God then you know exactly what I'm saying when he wakes you up in the early morning, I'll never forget that four o'clock morning several years ago. And there's been many times since then, but I remember the first time, four o'clock in the morning when I woke up to spend my time with him. I had set my alarm and I'd made it a commitment to get up at 4 a.m. to just spend time with God. When nobody can text me, nobody can call me, nobody can interrupt me. I'm not going to look at Facebook. I'm going to be just me and God. I'll never forget that morning as I heard the alarm go off and shook myself a little bit and rolled out of the bed onto my knees. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, I was waiting for you. I can't tell you how that blessed me. I began to weep and I said, you were what? He said, I've been watching you sleep until you woke up. I've been waiting. That intimacy, that love that you can have with God. Oh, I, I don't want to get away from my first love. I don't want to get away from that relationship that I have with God where he leads me and guides me and tells me at 1130 at night to get in my car and go get milk. I don't want him to stop. You know, if you're visiting with us today, there's a whole long story I'm not going to tell you. But God led me to the, to the side of a road at 11 o'clock at night told me to go get milk, and I could not, could not say no. And against my better judgment and all logic, I got in the car and drove to Middletown and 
ended up on the side of the road with a young man who was in a tragic car accident and died, but I prayed with him before he passed away. Intimacy. The relationship. He wanted it so bad that he looked at the idea of man. He had set his beautiful garden. He had put the mountains and the waterfalls in place. He designed all that was so beautiful in this earth. And then he said, let us make man Freedom to say yes and freedom to say no. Because you can't really love someone unless you can choose, Gene, to not love them. It isn't real love. I mean, Scott and Sierra got married last night. It was awesome. They got married in this beautiful Ormont estate. It was just incredible. I acted like I was, you know, King Charles coming out of Buckingham Palace. It was awesome. Scott didn't, he didn't just pick any, many, miny, mo, you. I'm marrying you. No, no, no. He had to woo her. He had to date her. He had to be in relationship with her. He had to tell her how pretty she was. And he had to buy her little gifts and leave little notes on her car. He had to do things to win her until finally one day he got down on his knee and he said, I choose you. Will you marry me? And she thought about it. And said yes immediately. He had to woo her. and That's real love. It isn't real love unless you can say no. And so God made a beautiful garden and put the people together in this garden and made them a beautiful paradise. And said, of every tree you can eat, of all the garden you can share, of everything you can have. But I've made you in my image. So there's one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't, don't touch that one. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Fallen man living in a fallen world. But the awesome thing about it is in Revelation, you read that it says, before the foundations of the world were framed, the lamb had already been crucified. You see, God didn't make man, didn't make woman without a plan. He didn't make them and give them free will to choose yes or no without a plan of reconciliation. He wanted them to know he put little hints all throughout the scripture. He laid a groundwork so that you and I would always know there was a, wo a road back to him. He wouldn't make us with that will. He wouldn't make us with the freedom to say no unless there was a beautiful way for us to come back. That makes me love him even more. John, I love him even more for that. He didn't even make me without a, he knew I would mess up. He knew that I would be fallen and sinful in my nature. He knew that I would mess everything up and that I would choose to sin at times. He knew I would live in a fallen world. And yet, before he gave me the free will to say no, he made sure 
that I had a way back and the only priceless treasure that he had because we know the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And see, that's not because God made it up. That's because that's the way it goes. Look at the wars. Look at the hatred. Look at the violence. Look at the evil in the world, the fallenness of nature. It always leads to violence. It always leads to hatred. It always leads to sinful behaviors. Anything that's, a, that's not for God is against God. And so we understand and we know that fallen man means trouble in paradise. You don't believe me. Go back to Adam and Eve's sons. One jealous over the other. As one sacrifice was acceptable and one was not. And so what happens? God says, where is your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. You see, contrary to what people might think, blood is very precious to the Lord. This is a theology lesson. This is back to fundamentals. This is why we have the cross on the church. This is why we sing there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Some of the world thinks we're crazy. Well, I am washed in the blood. We sing these songs and people out there like, man, y'all are nuts. No, we're not. We understand the priceless treasure of that blood. Whoa! We understand and know that the, the price Calvary would paid for us was life. It wasn't death. It was life. We sing and we glorify him not because we are some weirdo that likes a crucifixion and likes an execution. We understand and know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I get excited. Should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't want to lose one of us, so he made a way. And the only priceless treasure, the only thing that could combat death, the only thing that could enter into the heart that is given over to the fallen nature was life. And life could only come through the blood. And so through the death of who? He didn't pick a man. He didn't pick a prophet. He didn't pick an angel. It came from within himself. His own son. That's how much God treasures the blood. We go back to Exodus chapter 12 and we see the, 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 the type, the shadow of the cross of Calvary. The importance of the blood. Don't ever underestimate the value that God places in the blood. All throughout the scripture, the blood was important. You see it as death. You see it as an end. You see it as something horrible. Blood means tragedy. Blood means emergency. Blood means ICU. But to God, blood is all the elements, the essential ingredients of life. He sees it as amazing. And within your body right now, 17 trillion blood cells fill your body. 40 million of those white blood cells are now working to fight disease and sickness in your body. 34 million blood cells are made every second while you're sitting in this very service this morning. 
blood is powerful. You are a living organism, and you're made in the image of God. It's complex. It's astounding. We can't really understand it in ourselves. Blood. Blood is the one thing. We can make skyscrapers. We can, we can design uh, spacecraft and send them to Mars. We can do all these things. Man, science, we're, we're so smart. But the one thing we can't get a grip on, the one thing we can't understand, how does he make blood out of nothing? How does he, how does he make that life-giving fluid that, that literally keeps us alive? It nourishes our body. It pumps through us and keeps us going and keeps us alive. As long as Jennifer had that blood going in, the, all the other blood could go out as long as the nourishment was still coming to those tissues. Amazing, the power of the blood. I'm reminded as I see Audrey back there. It's right about now that Audrey would shake her head, look at me and say, and they say there is no God. The essential priceless treasure of life that can't be duplicated by science, can't be replicated or reproduced. And yet, as I said, the most treasurable, the most powerful, the most important thing on this earth is not First Financial Bank, but the blood bank. The blood bank. We understand the value of blood. We understand it. But the treasure and the story behind it as we go back to Exodus 12 and we look at Egypt and we see that the miracles that Moses performed, all the things that he did, the signs, the wonders, turning the snake, uh, the, the rod into a snake, and, and he did the plagues, all of, all of those things. They, they kind of spooked Pharaoh. They kind of Got him upset, but they didn't change him. Couldn't stop him. But one thing did. The one thing that stopped him was the blood. The blood over the doorposts. As the death angel came, the judgment of God fell. It was the blood over the doorposts that protected everyone inside. And I love that story as you even look down the road a little bit at Rahab, the lady who wasn't, didn't have the best reputation in the world. But yet, she gave help to the children of Israel and believed. And because she believed, God saved her and her whole household. Why? They instructed her, put a red cord in the window. And then get your family inside that house that's covered. Put a red cord, or a red cord that represents the blood covering. Put that red cord in the window. And then tell your mom and your dad and your aunts and your uncles and your nephews and nieces and your children. Get them inside that house. And as you do, they were saved alive. Do you know what that means? Listen closely. It comes back to something that gives us great news. A lot of folks 
you know, they still, they deal with pride and they deal with arrogance in their hearts and ego. And they think that by being good enough, by being holy enough, by being righteous enough in our own goodness, in our own inherent goodness, that we will somehow be worthy to ever stand before God. God reminds us over and over and over again, the only ones who were saved were the ones who had the blood covering over the house. And it didn't matter who was weak in that house, who was spiritually strong in that house. It didn't matter if one was good and one was was bad it didn't matter there was no question about who was allowed in it was just all who had the covering as an over the doorpost of the house and let me just tell you something if we can understand that the true covering over our house if we'll get the blood covering over us today we are safe in the arms of God and the future is bright and right and you belong to him for all of eternity because life is in the blood Oh, thank you. Thank you. Remember, amen, gets us out a lot, whole lot earlier at 3 o'clock. I'm going to bring it to a close. I ha- I'm probably going to do this for a week or two. I don't know. I've got 20, 23 pages, and I'm on page 5. <laughs> I love it when I do that. But I was studying. Everybody who knows me knows I'm an Australian nut. I was studying about the snakes. I came across a story of the snakes that, that are so venomous over there. And when I've been there, I've been there three times in my life. And when I've been there, I've been scared to death. I watch around every corner. I was in the outback, and so I would watch. See something slithering on the ground. I'm like, whoa. You know, some of the most venomous snakes in all the world. You will die. What it does is it bites you and it immediately affects the blood. When that snake comes and grabs hold of you, bites into your life, it puts a venom into you, very quickly it begins to coagulate your blood to the point that all the blood in your body begins to turn into gel. And within minutes and within an hour, sometimes a couple of hours, your whole body immediately becomes paralyzed and you can't move as your whole body turns to this mush. And then you're dead. A snake bite. Full of the venom and the poison that threatens to kill, steal, and destroy. The awesome thing about what I heard in the story, now, oh man, I about shouted. I came in and told everybody at the office. I was, I was like, guess what? And they learned this in Australia, my hometown, my home country, away from America, you know. Said them Aussies, you know, they figured it out. They tested all kinds of animals. They went, they did human blood. They tried all kinds of blood to try to find a serum, an antibody that would try to help and fix this problem. The the snakes and and the people that were dying left and right, and they were they were stacking up and all over the world. America is another country that has major problems with snake bites and rattlesnake bites and. You know how it is. And so they're, they're trying to find this antibody. They're trying to find this cure for, for the blood, the problem of the enemy that attacks the snake that bites and affects the blood. And it was something that causes death. And as they were studying it and studying it, go look it up for yourself. It'll, it'll mess with you. It'll make you want to shout all over the place. You'll be looking at Google and shouting a Google praise. <laughs> they searched and searched until at last... All they found 
that made the difference. The only thing that, that fixed the problem was lamb's blood. And today, all over America, all over Atlanta, where they work on immunities and disease, it's lamb's blood, sheep. Isn't it crazy? All throughout history, the Lord keeps throwing out these beautiful signs, these beautiful things to help us to understand that when the serpent comes, when the serpent comes to attack, when he comes to destroy, there's only one, one remedy, the lamb, the lamb. God sending messages to the earth Understand and know there's a greater purpose. There's a greater treasure. There's something over top of your life that you're not yet getting. Understand and know I've come not to give you death, not to put death in your face. Oh, I'm so upset with the modern day church. I'm so upset with those folks at high schools that no longer will go to churches and hold their graduations unless you agree that you'll cover up the cross cover up all your signs of, of that horrific, horrible crucifixion. We, we don't want to talk about the ugly anymore. We don't want to talk about the violent anymore. They've gone through some hymn books and some modern churches and they're taking out the blood songs. They're taking out old Calvary's Hill and the old rugged cross. They're taking those songs out because we want people to feel good. We, we want to be politically correct. And we don't want to run people off and preachers are even standing up saying, yeah, we don't talk about those things. We, we just talk about love. We just talk about goodness. and We just talk about the, the great things and we don't focus on those negative bad things anymore. Let me tell you something. That's the wrong perspective. That's the wrong idea. It was about the old rugged cross that gives me deliverance and gives me freedom. It was the old rugged cross that gave me life and life more abundant. It was Calvary and Jesus on that cross. It wasn't the fact that he died. Many had died. It was in the blood sacrifice. It was in the blood covering of my sins. Oh, let come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The cleansing is in the blood. Cleansing is in the blood. Stand with me this morning. One more time, give him a round of applause. Thank heaven for the blood. Glory to his name. You see, the earth has a sin problem. We've got a sin problem. You don't believe it? Look at the wickedness and the evil that's out there. Look at the hatred and the violence. You don't think we got a sin problem? You don't think we needed a sacrifice? You don't think we needed a treasure? You don't think we needed somebody who would get beyond the idea that if you send enough gold and if you send enough silver, if you send enough troops and if you send enough people here and there to diplomats to try to get them to sign treaties, if you just realize there's something else needed there's something else that's got to happen. Somewhere else, there's got to be an answer. There's got to be something to the problem of 
kids rebelling against their parents and husbands and wives destroying their marriages and their homes. There's got to be something to answer to the violence on the street and the murder in the alley. There's got to be an answer for drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sexual immorality. There's got to be an answer. And there is. His name is Jesus. Woo! His name is Jesus. The blood has a name. His name is Jesus. So why the blood? Why the sacrifice? Because you were so important. Because you had to be bought, Job said. Oh, I wish I could write it on rock. Fill it in books. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And after this body has been destroyed, I will see him with my own eyes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Church, listen to me. We're going to ask for those who need to make things right with the Lord. But first, I want to look to the church. I want to challenge our people. It's time to get back to the sacred. It's time to remember what He's done for us. Communion ought not to be the same. Reading the Scriptures ought not to be the same. Your prayer life ought to be different. Your love life for the Lord ought to be different. He, he did it for relationship with you. He did it so you could know Him. He's not interested in your, your casual little service. Not, not interested in your little tithe check every Sunday. Those are just obedience things. He's not interested in those things. He's after you. He's after you. Jesus didn't die for your paycheck. Jesus didn't die for your talent, your smarts. Then a one of you can be smart enough to figure God out. We still got to wrap our minds around the gospel. We still have to try to understand some things we won't understand until we get there. But I do know this. Why the blood? Because there was nothing, nothing more priceless, nothing higher than the blood of Christ. Why the cross? Why the beating? Why the marring and the horror? Because that's just how bad sin is. Sin on the street, sin in the family, sin that destroys, that steals, that kills. Violence and hatred. Oh God, help us see it, Lord. Help us understand it today, Jesus. May our theology change, Lord. We've put you in a box and put you on a shelf and we only pull you out on Sunday or when we're going through a crisis. You wanted relationship. He walks with me and talks with me. Jesus is the answer. May we be renewed. May we be revived. 
may we be transformed and changed. Young people, listen to me. The world is vying for your attention, trying to change your mind, trying to steal your faith away, trying to cause you to, to, to run, trying to weaken you. Hold fast to your faith. Don't let go of what you believe. Don't even weaken it. Don't say, oh, yeah, it's all right. I, I can go to one of these modern churches where they cover up the cross, where they just have a band and have lights and everybody goes crazy and has fun. I want to go to a fun church, Pastor. Oh, I like fun. I like fun. But more than that, Sheila, I want the church to have power power to change our lives power that says we don't have to live in slavery anymore power that says we don't have to be a slave to sickness anymore what don't you think Jesus when he said it is finished he took the stripes on his back that he wants you and I to stand around and stay down in the gutter of life and suffer he wants us to know we are more than conquerors through him more than victorious through him and if we'll have faith to believe it today, we'll say unto that mountain, move over to yonder place. If we know what his word gives us and how the power that is in the blood of Christ will change our circumstance, we will see the glory of the Lord arise even in this hour. It'll change this church. It'll turn us upside down. We'll walk out of here being a light and a witness. There won't be any way to, to fill this place up, Rick. There will, there'll be so many folks trying to get in the door. You know what? The word out on Middletown streets and Carlisle and Franklin and Dayton, Cincinnati, if you want to find Jesus, go up there to that little church. I, I don't remember the name, but it's a church of God over there on Nelson Road. Go over there. God is there every Sunday. That's what I want. The power of God to bring your family back together. The power of God to loose the chains the enemy's trying to steer and kill and to take away from our young people. The power of God that'll take a man and a woman and turn them into a prophet and a prophetess of God. I'm looking for more men and women of God. I don't want you to just barely make it in. I don't want you to just barely get by. God's bigger than that. He deserves more than that. How dare us think? How dare we offend God by being lukewarm and casual? When it, Lord, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Somebody's getting this. How dare you, sir, offend God by treating his sacrifice so casual? How dare you offend God? We need a revival. Lift your hands this morning. Breathe on us, Holy Ghost. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Touch us afresh and brand new today, God. In the blessed name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb. Oh God, we need to plead the blood more. 
We need to understand the blood more. We need to know and treasure the blood. Lord, we're missing out on so much because we've not yet tapped in to what your sacrifice genuinely means to the church. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the washing. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord, for deliverance, setting the bonds free. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I've been bought with things that are not corruptible, but with things that are precious, the very blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for touching the church. Thank you for revival. And now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask this question today. Is there anyone in here that would say, Pastor, I need to pray a prayer to receive Jesus into my life? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, if you believe it, he just says believe. I know the church sometimes makes it so, our traditions make it so hard. We really mess things up. He says you weren't saved by silver and gold or the traditions of man. Those things don't save you. Jesus does. Jesus wants you to believe that he's here for you, that he died for you, that he gave his life for you, sacrificed, paying that price because the wages of sin is death. And he's paid it for you. And you're ready. You believe it in your heart. Now you're ready to confess him as your Savior. If you're here to pray that prayer, would you just slip up your hand and write back down? And we're going to pray today. Are you? God bless you. Is there anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I want to pray with them. I want to pray, Pastor. I want things right with the Lord. God bless you. I see you. Thank God for you. That's why Jesus died. God bless you. Anyone else? I want to pray. I want to pray. So thankful for these hands that went up today. We have a discipleship pastor here on the front row, Melissa Grawl. When we're done with this prayer and this service has ended, I want you to go out to the small group table where she'll be in today's small group Sunday. So you need to go by there and check out the catalog and get you a copy so you can join in one of our small groups. But she's all, she serves as discipleship pastor. She wants to give you some information, the Bible, if you need one, and she wants to help you get started in your new walk with God. We're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it together with you because we get to usher you to the presence of God. But if you'll pray this from your heart, mean it from your heart, confess it with your mouth, the Bible says... That's all he wants. Jesus does the rest of the work, and then you start a brand new walk and journey with God. So let's pray together. Church, will you help me? Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I know you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation with your precious blood. I receive you as my Savior. I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to be strong, to live for you till you come for me. I start today, but I'll finish on gold. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Remember, life is in the blood. Say it with me. Life is in the blood. God bless you. Richard's going to come make some final announcements. I do want to remind you this coming Friday night, 
We start our, our end time prophecy conference with Perry Stone. He'll be here Friday night, Saturday morning at 10, Saturday night at 7, and all day on Sunday, 9, 11, and 6 o'clock. Bring your friends. Come early. You know how to get in the side door. Come in and grab you a seat and be here for Perry Stone. God bless you. We want, we want to just make one more announcement. Uh, we want to announce a great announcement is that 21 people got saved yesterday at the jail, at the jail ministry here in town. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God is good. He is wonderful. We hope you have an incredible holiday with your family and friends. Go have a wonderful time. Be the light of Christ and uh, show the way. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you this weekend. God bless you.